Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on today's episode, we have our conclusion to our interview with Disney legend Tom Nabby. So if you haven't listened to the first part of our interview, go back and check out last week's episode, where Tom talks about how he started his career at Disneyland. And then this episode, he talks about his time at Disney World. So it was a nice kind of split uh, between the two. (laughs) So Tom definitely had a lot more to talk about at his time at Disney World and just amazing the career he had with the theme park. So really excited for everyone to hear the conclusion of that interview. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But before we get into that, I want to give a shout out to our new Patreon subscriber, Ed. Thank you, Ed, for subscribing to us on Patreon. And if you want to support the show, you can head over to Patreon as well. We actually have an interview with Kevin Lima coming out next month that our Patreon subscribers will get early access to. That will be up on Patreon in, in another week or so. So it if you want such a good one. It was. So if you want early access to that interview, uh, be sure to join our Patreon. If not, that will be out at the end of next month. I'm going to have to join our Patreon to hear it early. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear it again. You are. It was. It was I, a really good interview. I feel like like the nerves, you know, of being involved in the interview. Have, I, like I actually sometimes. That's like the only episodes that I listen to is the the ones that we do interviews of where I'm like, I want to actually make sure I can hear what the person is saying. Yeah, you're so into it in the moment, right? Like, you you kind of you forget everything. Like you that hear happens. it, but like you don't necessarily digest it. I think so. Yeah, it's it's. I, I definitely want to listen to that one again. Maybe I'll 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 join our Patreon so I get that early access. I so, mean, I might know a guy though. He <laughs> might be able to. No, you got to pay for it. <laughs> All right, and then moving on to Disney news. So uh, Disney had their quarterly financial earnings uh, released this week. So we got some more information. The Jungle Cruise is now going to be Premier Access as well. So that comes out at the end of July, and that's going to be theaters and Premier Access on Disney Plus simultaneously. And then uh, Shang-Chi and the Ryan Reynolds film Free Guy are going to be theatrical release only, but they're only going to have a 45-day window instead of the (laughs) typical 90-day window. When you said that, it made it it sounded like um, Shang-Chi and Free Guy were one movie. And that's a very interesting movie mashup that you got going there. No, two separate movies. <laughs> but they're, but yes, they're only going to have a 45-day theatrical window instead of the typical 90-day theatrical window. And Bob Chapek said on the conference call that, you know, basically these movies this year are going to determine the future for their releases. So they're seeing how they kind of turn out of premiere access and theatrical release at the same time versus theatrical only, but a limited window before it comes to streaming. Wow. So it'll be interesting to see how all these movies play like, out, what's going to happen next this year. This is all an experimental period. It is. I mean, they basically said that. I mean, and we've kind of talked about that, that, you know, Disney seems to be doing this. You know, the Pixar movies are free. Some have premiere access. Some are going to be in theaters. And they're really just trying to, like, dial in what's the best option. I will say, though, Disney has such a wide breadth of the kind of people that they can attract now, now that – it's almost like when they take these samples, um, they have to do the same kind of movie. Like Shang-Chi is not at all the same kind of movie as the Pixar movies are. Right, but Shang-Chi's like Black Widow. So Black Widow's getting the, yeah, the theater premiere access. Shang-Chi's getting theater only. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And, and you have Raya. So Raya is kind of the same target <laughs> as Luca. So I, I it, don't, it's interesting to see I don't what know happens. If, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast yet, but 
watched Raya again with one of my classes and I, I will eat some of my words because it held up much better on the second watch, loved it the second watch, and I give Raya a lot more credit. I like that she's really flawed. I stand by my you initial review. You didn't watch review. it a second time. I stand by my initial review. <laughs> no, I think I think it's it's better the second time. And also Disney announced they're going to be having a Disneyland loyalty affinity program in which they said it's going to be set up to encourage repeat visits. So it's going to be a quote frequent visitor program. So it sounds We're like something, a punch card. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> something you get at a Froyo shop <laughs> that if you if you you know get eight cups of Froyo you get the ninth one free. <laughs> and so. That's the, like the first thing that my mind jumped to that. Yeah, you're going to get a punch card. You get a Disneyland enough. You'll get a free visit. You'll get a discount. But it sounds like a annual pass program is not coming back. So I think all the people that were hoping once the parks reopened and got up to capacity that there would be annual passes again. It sounds like Disney basically said that wasn't profitable for them. So they're not going to have an annual pass program. They're going to have this frequent visitor program that yeah, basically sounds like a Froyo punch card. I'm wondering if they don't um, start to see such a decrease in the parks that, you know, it doesn't matter that people aren't paying for their tickets if people are paying to come in and maybe eat the food. Now, I don't know, since Disney also allows you to bring in your own food, if a lot of those families would come and they'd bring, you know, granola bars and other things with them. So that part wasn't profitable either. But I don't know. I, I, I could see them tweaking this and playing with it or saying, hey, you can't bring unless you have a special dietary need. You can't bring your own food in the park. I don't really know. I, well, I just, yeah. I, I don't think they're going to do that, but I, I do think that's kind of what they're saying though, is, you know, Disneyland is, is a lot of locals that drives the attendance there. And a lot of people had annual passes. And I think what a lot of people would do is they would go, Hey, I'll, I'll roll in at four o'clock, spend a couple hours in the park and leave, you know, and, and, or, you know, come in in the afternoon or on the weekends. And it wasn't like, I feel at like Disney World where people are there and you're in the parks all day, you're spending money on merchandise and food every time you go. Whereas Disneyland, people are so used to it, they just hop in and out for a couple hours. And so you're not getting that merch revenue. You're not getting that that food revenue. And so I think Disney looked at it and said, you know, these people are coming in so many days. We're not getting the ticket revenue. We're not getting the additional revenue from merchandise sales. At least that's what it sounds like that they're kind of alluding to that they're going to do something to encourage you to come more often, but it sounds like you're still going to have to pay for the ticket so that they're going to get more money out of you. That really stinks, though, for the people that I'm sure, you know, come to the park to ride two things and eat dinner. You know, like they want to go spend it, like to have dinner there and, and have their theme park food because then Disney is getting their money. But, you know, those people can't just pop in because then they're going to have to pay full ticket price and they're not going to do that just to eat a corn dog or whatever that they want. Yeah. Well, this is going to get more of their money, but I, I really hope they do get a punch card. <laughs> <laughs> Virtual punch card here. So, all right. And then the the big news, and this is like changing by the hour, it feels like. Yeah. Hopefully the it's the same by the time this comes out on Monday. So the CDC came out earlier this week with updated mask guidance that vaccinated people do not need to wear masks. And so theme parks have been changing kind of their policies very rapidly. Universal said you don't have to wear masks outdoors. And Disney had their conference call kind of right after this guidance was released. And they said, you know, we're, we're kind of monitoring this closely because anybody that's been to Florida oh, knows it's, it's very hot. You don't want to wear masks in the summer. And they said we're actually increasing capacity. They've already started increasing capacity. They did not say what it's to, but I do know that 
basically the next day, the theme park reservations that were all booked over the next month or two open back up. So capacity is back up. And I think they may be to the point now that if they're over 50% capacity, they're basically at full capacity because any given day, they're not getting more than 50% of the people in the parks right. anyways. So I think Unless th- it's like a special holiday. Exactly. So I think the theme park reservation system, while it's still in place, may not be that big of a hindrance anymore because I think if their capacity levels are up enough, you're always going to be able to get in anytime you want, except maybe like Christmas, like you said. But then Disney just announced on Friday that masks are now optional in common outdoor spaces now this is just disney world but they're still needed in uh, queues in the attractions theaters or entering the parks but if you are just outside now they already had you could take your mask off for pictures but now it's it sounds like there will not be any mask enforcement so things changed i mean literally overnight you could have been to the parks on friday you had to wear a mask outside saturday you're at the park masks are optional so things are changing very quickly i'm actually surprised how quickly this is happening. And I will say, I think this almost happened too quick. I don't think Disney gave people enough leeway. I mean, the announcement was at 10 o'clock at night. Right. And and it's going to create a lot of issues for, I think, cast members. I mean, we we talked about this even with the, you know, the optional taking your mask off for your photos. And I think, you know, cast members had to deal with a lot already. And it's going to be, it just creates more of a gray area. And I think Disney maybe didn't give enough leeway. I mean, they they gave a two-week... Um, lead time for temperature checks going away and they gave you know 12 hours for this for this mask change so i think if anybody's going to the parks you know definitely be kind to the cast members they're they're dealing with a lot right now um this is a lot to put on them but yeah it's it's pretty amazing just how quickly everything changed in the span of two or three days i mean with universal and disney and just kind of everything in general Right, right. Yeah, it it was fast. I mean, really, really fast. And we haven't had a chance yet to see, you know, what exactly is going to happen um, and what kind of repercussions is it going to have. Again, specifically, I always feel bad, like you said, for the cast members because they're the ones that are going to have to enforce the rules. So when those kind of guidelines come down from the higher ups, they're not the ones that have to actually say, excuse me, miss, excuse me, mister, uh, can you please put your mask on? Um, I really feel for them. But on the, on the flip side, I'm excited that it's really going to be hot and we're going to be going down pretty soon and we won't have to wear our masks while we're just walking around. Yeah, I think that's really why Disney made this decision so quickly because, again, Bob Chapek kind of joked about this on the conference call that you know this is good news because anybody who's been in Florida wearing a mask in the summer knows it's miserable. And so I, I really do think they kind of did this because again, when you're on the attractions, when you're in a queue, when you're entering the park, when you're on the buses, you still have to wear a mask. So most of the time, you still have to have a mask. It's not like you can just walk around and never have a mask. It's just when you're you know, just outside. If you're just walking around the Magic Kingdom, you don't necessarily need one now. But if you go into a queue for something, you're going to have to put it on. I really think why they did it is because, again, we're going into the summer months. It's 90 down there already. It's going to be 95 with 95% humidity down there. And people, it it just gives them an opportunity to take the mask off for a minute when you're just kind of walking around and get a little bit of a reprieve without having to go to like a relaxation zone or say, Oh, I'm taking a picture. Cause people were probably already doing it anyways Oh yeah, because they were taking pictures and saying, Oh, I'm just taking a photo. So maybe helps people, you know, feel more comfortable and, and maybe it helps. I mean, maybe it ultimately helps from complaints because people, you know, cast members don't have to track you down 
and tell you, please put a mask on when you're just walking around. Right. So maybe it's a little bit easier to police. Hey, you're coming in the queue. Please put your mask back on. I mean, we'll see. They've also reduced the, the social distancing from six feet to three feet, um, which I think is also a reason why they've increased capacity because they're, they're kind of putting a little bit closer together in the queues. And I think they're starting to fill in more attractions. So, I mean, Disney moved quickly on this, but I, like I said, I think if they're not already very quickly, they're going to be up to a capacity level that will exceed what their normal attendance is. And it's yeah. going to be like regular Disney here this summer. So I think anybody planning a trip thinking, oh, there's going to be reduced crowds. There's going to be a lot of social distancing. <laughs> Adjust that's, your expectations. That's now. all out the window. Yeah. And I did see a lot of people, I mean, online saying I'm canceling my trip now because I was going under the assumption that there was social distancing, there were lower crowds. And, and yeah, that's amazingly, it seems like it's gone overnight. I mean, right. I think it'll be a slow build until those crowds actually get there because people have to book trips. But yeah, I mean, I would think, you know, June, July this year, um, it's it's going to be crowded. Yeah, we'll see. All right. So let's get into the second part of our interview with Tom Nabby. What was kind of the the thought internally within the company about Florida? So like you said, you, you, know, you were always in California. You've never really been you know, to Florida before did, did people kind of view it as an opportunity Were people thinking, this is crazy. What are we doing here in Florida? I mean, what, what was kind of the mindset of, of everyone there? Well, pretty, pretty much went through the gauntlet. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. In, in turn, there's a few people that got here, uh, and just, just absolutely hated Florida. Mm-hmm. A couple of things that we learned real quick was uh, everybody thought the bugs were going to be a major issue. Well, the bugs didn't end up being a major issue. Uh, so uh, we had to, to rethink our process because we thought we would have to close the dusk uh, because, uh, okay. of, because of the insects and uh, found out that that wasn't, that wasn't part, of the, part of the plan. Uh, the other thing was rain. Uh, I go every every day at four o'clock, uh, right, yeah. and uh, uh, that was always that was always a challenge. Uh, hurricanes was a challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, freezing weather was a challenge. Were when we first opened Walt Disney World, we had the four monorails, we had about twenty two trams. We had the Osceola steam boats, and we had six steam-powered launches. Okay, that was the extent of the of the transportation, and uh, uh, I, I think everybody knows. Uh, you know, uh, opening day was a fairly uh, sparse attendance, but boy, that that when Thanksgiving came around, that was a whole different ball game. And uh, that's that's when we established uh, uh, what what we called was a slow close. Mm -hmm. And what we would do is at four o'clock in the afternoon, we take a look at what the in park attendance was. Okay. Okay. And then we'd look to see how many trams we had available that were operating, and we'd see how many monorails we had available <laughs> and operating and how many Osceolas we had in an operating and basically said we could move this number of people per hour. 
Okay, then we'd look at the in-park attendance and basically saying, okay, it's going to take us three hours or four hours to clear the park. Okay. So in turn, they would make an announcement, you know, for your convenience, ladies and gentlemen, the park is going to remain open until seven or eight o'clock because we didn't have the capacity to get the people out. Yeah. Now, okay. now once, once we got the ferries, uh, the, the ferry boat, one ferry boat is uh, equivalent to four monorails. Oh, wow. Oh, I didn't wow. realize it was that much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, in turn, uh, once we got the ferries going, uh, then we could move, you know, 20, 25,000 people uh, uh, per hour uh, mm-hmm. easy. That's crazy. Uh, that, that, is, that is pretty impressive. So I think besides the monorail, you worked on um, some other, you know, pretty um, legendary attractions over at the Magic Kingdom. So I think I saw you, you worked on the the Twenty Thousand Leagues attraction, Space Mountain. What were those like? What were what were some of the, your other kind of favorite attractions that you worked on? Well, Small World was 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 a very dominant uh, attraction at Walt Disney World. I think mm-hmm. I, I think it probably handled uh, seventy or eighty percent of the gate on a daily basis. Twenty uh, K uh, was fairly popular. Uh, it was not a high capacity attraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it had a considerable, uh, wait time, uh, the Haunted Mansion, uh, and, and small world both had very high capacities, uh, so they could, could operate people. Uh, the Skyway was always a challenge, especially in the summertime, uh, because you couldn't tell. Yeah. I'd spend about three hours at the, uh, transfer station watching the le- weather and trying to determine when I would shut the skyway down uh, <laughs> so, so we wouldn't strand people uh, out there in the rain. And, <laughs> and it was one of those uh, darn if you did and darn if you didn't. If I shut it down too early, then everybody going, oh, Tom, you know. <laughs> if I shut it down too late, going, oh, Tom, all those people had to go to wardrobe and get dried out. So those were <laughs> Some of the some of the challenges uh, along that line, but uh, yeah, the the world was was real interesting, and then uh, had the uh, had the opportunity uh, to uh, uh, get involved in the Epcot project, and I went to work for uh, WDI. Uh, mm-hmm. We had at that time frame with mm-hmm. WDI now, uh, and. Uh, my boss. So <laughs> I thought I was going to be a pavilion coordinator, uh, and my boss wanted me to operate a, a uh, inventory tracking system for everything uh, that we uh, manufactured uh, or bought for show installation, which we call OFI, owner furnished items. Uh, and okay. so uh, that's how I got involved in in warehousing uh, on the, on the product. Yeah, I was to say. So, can can you talk a little bit about that? What what you did for Epcot? Kind of what your role was in in the creation of that park? Yes, uh, I, I was I, I was a uh, a project manager for for uh, uh, Wed, um, and there was uh, 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 what we call Pico, which is Project Installation Coordination Office. It's an okay. acronym, uh, and that was put together by Orlando Ferrani. 
that was a senior vice president at WED, but he put that whole project together to build the New York World's Fair. And, and what they what they did is they they pulled people out of the operating side of the business, put them in to the um, uh, projects out there as coordinators, or uh, and and they would help build the attractions and and work with the project managers and everything. And then once the attraction opened, they would train. Uh, the people who were going to operate the attraction, and then they would manage uh, that attraction. Uh, so that's that's the evolution of Pico. Uh, and in turn, I had uh, had come in, and and like I say, my my boss my boss wanted me to to run an inventory system, and the only inventory experience I had is 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 one of my supervisors back when I was Tom Sawyer. Uh, thought that the worm guy wasn't giving us our fair share of worms, <laughs> so he wanted me to to inventory the worms uh, to see if we were getting 350 worms in a flat, and I oh did God. inform him that we were getting more than our fair share of worms. <laughs> so, so that was that was my first real uh, uh, inventory involvement. Uh, but uh, I learned a whole lot, and and we had uh, 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 developed a system called the item tracking system, where, where we could track the items that we were going to store or install uh, uh, each individual item, uh, and uh, uh, if it it was going to go directly into the show, and I had a crew that would meet the trucks and uh, make sure the freight bills were taken care of and the products were offloaded and then they got installed uh, in the show. If it was something that the show wasn't ready for, then it would in turn come to a warehouse in Orlando Central Park and uh, we would in turn offload it uh, from the truck, uh, store it, and then in turn issue it into the park uh, at time of installation and did that through phase one and phase two of Epcot. And then 80, 84, uh, I think you all know what happened in 84, uh, all the green mail and the, and the uh, storming of the Magic Kingdom mm -hmm. and all those things that occurred during that time frame. And uh, I, had, uh, I had the opportunity to make a, a major career change. So uh, I had come out of the, the, the rides and attraction side had gone into WED on the warehousing and, and uh, project management side. And in turn, uh, I got the opportunity uh, to go into distribution services for Walt Disney World. And that was to handle uh, the warehousing uh, for uh, general supplies uh, merchandise uh, at that time frame and long-term storage of projects. Okay. Wow. So is that all the like all the merchandise they sell, like T-shirts, hats, like all, all those things that they're selling in the parks? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Uh, when you look at it, it's a whole lot of uh, 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 the Emporium alone will get seven to eight semi loads of material every day. 
Oh, oh wow. I was going to say, that, that has to be quite an operation. Yeah, I can only yes. imagine. Yeah. And, and then after that, then, then they built World of Disney at, 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 at the... Uh, Disney Springs. Uh, well, Disney downtown Springs. Disney. Yeah, downtown yeah. Disney, now Disney yeah. Springs. Yeah, but uh, back then it was a village. But, but okay. uh, uh, and they outsold the Emporium. Okay, yeah. so so if 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 you get to visualize the volume of of Mickey Mouse plush mm-hmm. and ponchos and uh, that would go out of, of of the warehouse on a daily basis is, is just just phenomenal. So I ended up getting uh, uh, moved into uh, uh, distribution services as the uh, superintendent of of uh, general supplies long-term storage and project the manager of the distribution services that year uh, went on vacation at christmas time and i don't know if it was an alien abduction or what <laughs> but he but he didn't come back and six oh, of us oh and six of us interviewed for the job and i ended up getting it uh and uh we went through some major uh, expansion, some major changes. Uh, we brought the warehouse system uh, from a very antiquated uh, system into a real-time uh, inventory system supported by barcoding. Uh, I wanted to take it one step farther uh, into automation, but I couldn't. I couldn't get the the powers to be to support that. But uh, and then uh, we took over the uh, during this whole like. 84 restructure and everything that occurred, we took over the food uh, distribution operation also. Okay. Oh. So that would have been right before Michael Eisner took over, right? Because I think he was kind of mid to late 80s. Yeah, they, uh, he took over right at that time frame. Okay. That's, that's, that's when Roy uh, resigned from the board, mm-hmm. uh, went out and uh, found, found the White Knights, which was the Bass Brothers out of Texas. Mm-hmm. And one of the requirements of the Bass Brothers to come in was the hiring of uh, uh, Michael Eisner and and uh, uh, Frank Wells. Because mm-hmm. I was going to say, I mean, to your point, you know, big expansion. I know that's kind of what Eisner was all about. He was, you know, all about building out Disney World into this, you know, multi-day resort vacation mecca. So I, I can only imagine that. Yeah, merchandise sales and everything else just kind of accelerated oh, yes. once he got there. Well, yes, after he got in there for 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 a while, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he uh, you know Epcot opened up in '82. It didn't right. make the return on investments. Uh, all that green mail happened. Mm-hmm. The stock went from around two hundred dollars a share to sixteen dollars a share. It's amazing to think that that Disney, you know, kind of went through that. As big of a company as it is today, it's hard to think, you know, thirty years ago, forty years ago, that that it, you know this happened. Well, yeah, you, you you sort of look at it, and I'm I've always said it's it's on twenty year cycles. Mm-hmm. So the company was formed formed in the twenties. Okay, the forties you had World War Two. Okay, mm-hmm. in the sixties. You had everything going strong, and 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 uh, Mary Poppins, and mm-hmm. then Walt passed. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, then in the eighties, 
uh, you went in and, and uh, Michael Eisner and Frank Wells came on board. Uh, their first te uh, 10 years in there uh, for, for Michael and, uh, you know, unfortunately, Frank was mm -hmm. killed in uh, the helicopter, helicopter uh, right. accident. Uh, with very productive. Uh, mm -hmm. I, the, the, the property just grew like crazy. And and being in the warehouse trying to stay up with that growth <laughs> was a real challenge uh, along that line. Uh, the last 10 years, I'm not uh, overly impressed with, with uh, mm -hmm. uh, Michael's contributions during that time frame. But, but uh, uh, Bob Iger, I think, is just just outstanding and we'll see what bob uh Tape back. yeah uh, uh brings to the table but but uh very impressed with bob Iger. Mm -hmm. very impressed i so i have these images and i know that this is pro this is i mean they're probably in boxes but you mentioned these mickey mouses my brain has just been stuck at on this you know the mickey mouse plushes and i'm imagining like these mountains of Mickey Mouse plushes that you could swim in like Scrooge McDuck swims in his gold coins. So, you know, <laughs> what I mean, it's it's a, you know, boxes stacked to the ceiling, right? Not no loose stuffed animals that you can swim in. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, they came uh, you know, we we sent them out in boxes then they unboxed them darn. <laughs> Put the boxes in, in a compactor uh, to recycle the cardboard and the and, and the plush. <laughs> uh, you know, the, some of the some of the things we, we grab nights. Grab nights were just absolutely uh, uh, horrendous with the with, with the one of the kind merchandise that was associated with grab nights. Okay. And all that had to get out. And then now all that had to get put away so we could open in the morning uh, for the regular guests to come mm -hmm. in. So wow. there's just some, some very good challenges uh, <laughs> uh, that we went through as a company. And, and, and uh, learning curves uh, all the time, all the yeah. time, learning curves. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I mean, you know, we, we think of Disney as a theme park, but it's really – you know, one of the biggest hotel operators, one of the biggest food operators, one of the biggest merchandise mm -hmm. operators. It's, you know, to your point, it's, you know, if they were just kind of on their own, they would be major companies and it's all kind of folded into one, you know, yeah. one big company. Yeah. When I retired in 03, I used to say that we would support a city, a city of about 300,000 people on mm -hmm. a daily basis. And that wow. was all the merchandise, all the food, uh, and all the general supplies it took in order uh, to operate. That when I say general supplies, that's all the brochures, that's all the toilet paper, <laughs> that's all the lights. You know, all those things that that, uh, that went along the line. And and uh, uh, we we had a, a, a modern material handling uh, uh, came in one and wanted to do a a um, story on Walt Disney's world's 25th anniversary. That's when we had the, the, the birthday cake castle. The birthday cake castle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not a but, fan, but, but, <laughs> but they came in and it was, it was going to be like a two page article, you mm -hmm. know, the cover and, and a couple pages inside when they came in and saw what we did, 
it turned into a 30 page article oh my. And, and pictures on top of pictures. Uh, uh, they just, they just couldn't believe uh, what we did from a, from a distribution uh, inventory uh, uh, site. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you had, ex- you know, experience in both parks, Wh- which, which park is your favorite? Well, I, I have to say Disneyland. And the reason being, Disneyland is Walt's Park. Mm. Okay. Walt Disney World is Roy's Park. Epcot Mm. is Card Walker's Park. Uh, The studio is uh, uh, Michael Eisner's Mm -hmm. Park. Uh, Paris sort of falls in the middle of, of, of Eisner's realm, and so does Animal Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you take uh, ha- uh, Shanghai uh, and Tokyo, and those sort of fall into um, uh, Bob Iger's mm-hmm. uh, uh, uh You know, I retired in 03. My boss at that time frame, Greg Bruce, unfortunately, he just passed this last weekend. Uh, asked me what I wanted for a retirement gift, and I told him I wanted a, a window on Main Street at Disneyland and Walt Disney World. Uh, I didn't make it at Disneyland, but I did get one on 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 Main Street. So if you go down Main Street, uh, I'm above the cinema uh, on the right hand side, second story, and it's uh, Sawyer Fence Painting Con uh, Company. Uh, Tom Nabby, the proprietor uh, at uh, uh, Lake Buena Vista, Florida, in Anaheim, California. So. Uh, wow! We'll and, be sure to check that out. Next yeah. Time, yeah, yeah, and in turn, I thought that was the greatest thing in <laughs> in, in my career uh, of of getting that. Uh, every five years, uh, I've I've gone back out to Disneyland uh, for their fifth anniversary. Unfortunately, okay. didn't couldn't make it this year this mm-hmm. uh, for the sixty fifth because they shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going in the 70th, <laughs> but uh, uh, we were out there for the 50th, and uh, 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 several of the trips back, the company paid for it, but most of them, uh, uh, Tom has paid for them. <laughs> so we were, we were out there, and uh, uh, the alumni club had thrown a dinner dance, and and uh, a gentleman by Jim Cora uh, uh, basically said, Tom, well, I'll see you in September. And I'm going, no, you may see me in five years from now, but I don't plan on being back out here in September. And he said, oh, yeah, haven't you heard yet that you and Sully and myself have been uh, uh, nominated and going to be inducted as as Disney legends? And that's how I found out. And and, uh, the the problem with Cora was if he threw the line out there and he sort of, you know, so I wasn't going to bite on his, on his thing. <laughs> uh, so when I got home uh, from the dinner dance, my, my uh, sister was house sitting uh, for me here. And I said, Hey, is there a letter from the studio there? And she said, yeah. And I said, would you open it up and read me what it says? And sure enough, uh, you know, that we we're going to be inducted in September of, of 05. 
as as ledges. And you know, my career has always been sort of being at the right place at the right time mm -hmm. uh, and willing to to make changes and 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 to do uh, different things. And and uh, I, I think the reason for the legend. Uh, was about half of the uh, recipients uh, for that year were out of the opening of Disneyland because okay. of the, because of the fiftieth anniversary. Okay. And I'll tell you, I tell you, it's really nice to be a living legend. The alternative sucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Now, do you put your window on Main Street above being a Disney legend? No. No. Yeah. Okay. No, there, 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 there are a, a few awards that, that that you get. I I sort of look at at the uh, service awards mm -hmm. as a survivor award. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, their partner excellence award is is uh, issued by your peer group, mm -hmm. and I have one of those, and oh, that's yeah. really on top of my list. The Disney Legend. If you look at, at the size of the company and there's only about 10 people every other year to get, get inducted mm -hmm. into that group, uh, that is a very elite uh, group of people. And I cherish that uh, uh, just uh, uh, phenomenal. And I, I try to, uh, again, on my dollar, but I, I try to get out to D23 uh, when they end up new legends, I do get an invite uh, to lunch. Okay. Mm. But, okay. but not, they don't pick up my plane ticket or my house. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I, and I sort of look at that and say, I only have so many years uh, left. So I'm going to enjoy each and every one of those that I can get to. Yeah. That, and, that's an incredible group to, to be a part yeah, of. That's what I was going to ask are there kind of meetings like alumni meetings, but it sounds like so any, every time they induct um, new people, they do like a luncheon for like get all the legends together. Uh, yes. They, they, they invite previous legends. Okay. And is, is there a, uh, a, a get together other than for that luncheon? Um, that's it. Now in turn, I'll, I'll probably do multiple interviews. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. for, for Disneyland's D23 and, and and that type thing. I haven't heard a whole lot uh, down the road. I, I know I did a, a interview for the book that the D23 group is writing for for uh, for Disneyland's uh, uh, 50, uh, Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary. Okay. Oh, but cool. uh, in turn, uh, you know, the I, I know you mentioned in the, in the early part of it, but the book, uh, if 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 you want an autographed copy of the of the book signed by me, uh, go to my website, uh, tomnabby.com, uh, and uh, you can purchase it there. If you just want the book uh, and you're an Amazon member, you can get it on Amazon, or if you want it in Kindle, you can get it on Amazon. Okay, and, nice. and we'll put links to your website and and the mm -hmm. book on Amazon, and everything in the the episode description. But want to ask you, a, you know, a few more questions. So we, we've kind of talked about, you know, all the different attractions you've worked on. You basically everything in Disneyland. You, you've kind of, you know, touched on most attractions in in Disney World. What was 
kind of your your favorite either attraction you worked on or kind of your your favorite job you've had in the company throughout the years okay well for walt disney world my most favorite attraction was bear band jamboree okay i could have sat through bear band jamboree and laughed every time i saw that show <laughs> uh i was uh i was sort of wishy-washy when they started doing the christmas uh, decorations and changes out, mm-hmm. but I had the opportunity to, to sit through that show uh, uh, with the with the Christmas decorations, and they complimented that very much. Okay. Now I'm going to have to tell you, you know, I spent six years of my life on Tom Sawyer's Island. Okay, so I'm going to tell you that that you know that's real high on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can we imagine wouldn't be talking right now if it if it wasn't uh, wasn't for that. Right. Um, I I I think what's sort of neat now uh, the wife and I used to go to Epcot quite a bit uh, because of the dining and and uh, the food is incredible. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and the Magic Kingdom is a little difficult uh, to, to get to, mm-hmm. uh, especially on, on uh, uh, the employee passes, that type of thing. So, but I now have a five-year-old granddaughter. Aww. And she is wrapped into, I've been to more, more uh, character breakfasts character lunches, (laughs) luau's, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Magic Kingdom and the studio are on the top of her list. Okay. Okay, so I've, I spent, but it is so warming to watch her uh, enjoy the parks. And it it adds a whole new perspective uh, uh, to to visiting the park along that line, uh, you know, I've always known we 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 do an excellent show, but I can mm-hmm. I can tell you Iris will tell you how excellent it is, and she <laughs> knows the name of every one of those princesses out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can imagine, especially you know, because you you've lived your life kind of growing up with these parks and you've been so kind of ingrained in them to, yeah, now see it through someone else's eyes and mm-hmm. j- just kind of be on the other side of it and, and realize, yeah, everything you did, you know, how that paid off that, that, that yeah, that must be very satisfying. And fulfilling. Well, but also, also look at, at how well the whole group has processed through the years and maintain the proper image mm-hmm. uh, yeah. along that line. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, Walt's been gone since 1966. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you sort of look at the number of years out, there, but he put a team together and that team put another team together mm-hmm. and, and have pretty much been able to, to keep that tradition uh, going forward and the Disney image. Uh, along that line, and I—that's uh, one of the things that I—I I think I think Bob Iger has really brought uh, to the pot is in all the superheroes uh, now. Mm-hmm. So the, the 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 range of characters has just quadrupled yeah. um, out there in the last uh, few years. So uh, yeah. I look forward to it. 
uh, I've and and every time I go out to the park, I have I have a ball. I I used to not ride the monorail because I was the manager of it, and it would would ruin my day <laughs> because something wouldn't go right. But but uh, uh, I I ride it now uh, all the way along line. It's it's uh, it's sort of neat. There's there's a lot of uh, a lot of employees now, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know I'm, uh, I see where they're changing the uh, uh, the grooming standards, mm-hmm. and we'll see how that goes. Uh, when you when you go back and look at when Disneyland opened up, uh, the guests actually came in sport coats and suits oh, and wow. ties, wow. and the and the ladies came in their their Sunday uh, uh, best and heels. And, oh, you know, that's awful. Yeah. Well, but that's that was a dress. You know, men men in that time frame wore hats and, mm-hmm. and wore, right. I'm just thinking the foot of the foot pain is really yeah. what I'm thinking of. <laughs> but uh, uh, so you, you sort of watch how things have evolved uh, uh, through the years. And I think the company has done a, a pretty good job of trying to stay up with that evolution. Yeah. And, and I was going to kind of ask you that of, you know, what, what you thought of some of the changes they're making to some of the attractions with, you know, like, the, the jungle cruise and different things like that. And, you know, you, you do hear a lot of people say, Oh, you can't kind of touch the classics, but you know, I think Walt always kind of said Disneyland is a park that's never going to be finished. It's always changing. And I think, you know, he was ca- always kind of in that spirit for again, evolving, keeping up with the times. Um, do, do you kind of feel that way as well? That- oh, oh abso- a- absolutely. I do. A, I do a, a, a heritage presentation uh, for those folks that that, that want to listen to me and don't want to go to sleep, uh, and 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 one of those is I do highlight even back at opening uh, the the attractions that weren't there mm-hmm. in in mm-hmm. the next year or two along that line, and and, and one the view liner, which is a pre monorail, uh, the uh, uh, Conestoga. And stage coaches, uh, you know, they were all there. If you look at the horizon of of uh, shots taken in the fifties, uh, uh, late fifties, early sixties, the development around Anaheim hadn't hadn't really got there yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, and if you took those same shots today, uh, above the berm would be hotel on top of hotel on top of hotel. Uh, and that's the one advantages that we have here at, at Walt Disney World is just the size of the property. But there are visual intrusions here, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what kind of challenges do you see in the future of Disney uh, Imagineering? I think th- this, this uh, visual uh, reality uh is is going to be a real challenge going forward uh if if, if you look at the the parks uh you you want to add where possible to the parks because you don't want to have to add all the infrastructure uh, mm-hmm. to to support it uh 
And if if you look now with Uber and and uh, 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 various ride sharings and that type of thing, the, the the parking lots now aren't utilized like they they used to be. The parking lot used to control the attendance uh, yeah. level. When the parking lot was full, you'd shut it off. Well, that doesn't happen anymore mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because everybody uses different different kinds of, of transportation to get to it. And I'm sort of looking at what this this light rail train is going to do uh, here at, at, at World. Uh, and uh, I, you know, I've, I've watched what happened at Disneyland. And, uh, you know, they built the parking garages uh, in order to give them uh, the opportunity to uh, to expand, so I, I think Wed's going to have to have some real challenges on on uh, uh, visual reality uh, uh, shows uh, going forward, uh, and then in turn, you sort of have to look at now the character bases. Uh, you know, I, I think you saw a little bit of it with the Star Wars. Uh, uh, impact at both Disneyland and Walt Disney World. So I think you're going to see more of that uh, coming in, in the future. That group of people just amazes me. When, when you talked about earlier on, on on what job did you really, really like? Well, besides Tom Sawyer, and <laughs> was, was uh, the, the, the time I spent as project manager in, in WET. The neat thing about that is to see something in a conceptual stage, drawings, mm. then the models, mm-hmm. and then the actual attractions being built, and then be able to ride that attraction and to be part of that is just just phenomenal. It seems like it would be surreal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just to kind of dream that into reality. And and I think to your point, you know, talking about virtual reality and everything they're gonna have to deal with. I, I think, you know, the other thing that it's it seems to be now anytime, you know, there's a new attraction out or it's a new land, I mean it just it has to be the most technologically advanced, the biggest, the most detailed thing, or people kind of consider it a letdown. I mean, like you, you mentioned with with Star Wars and Galaxy's Edge and just what they did with Avatar and Walt Disney World, like it, it almost gets to the point where it becomes difficult to top yourself. Mm. Well, that's because the guests mm-hmm. expect more. Right. Every time. And that that expectation is is that hurdle that you're trying to to meet uh, constantly on that. And I you know I've I've watched that through through my entire career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and how to how to stay on top of that. The one thing that that I was able to do a little bit when I went into the support side of the business is I was able to bring a little bit of the guest experience in there through the institute, and we used to do guest tours of the warehouse, uh, okay. and and the warehouse people actually uh, did the tours. Uh, oh, wow. So uh, so that was sort of neat. And what advice would you have for, you know, somebody like a a young person today? Like your story is incredible. As I was listening to you, I was thinking about how you just would roll with whatever changes you were persistent. You know, you have a lot of really awesome qualities that helped you become as successful as you do. And you kind of downplay them and said, oh, I was in the right place at the right time. But it's definitely you like what you did 
you built that because of, you know, how persistent and things you are. So what kind of advice would you give somebody maybe wanting to follow in your footsteps? Well, generations are changing. Uh, you know, the, the generation I came out of is, is, uh, pretty much if you, if you made it through high school, there were some expectations of college, but, uh, the doors weren't close to you, uh, to, to move forward. Um, in, in the last, years or so, uh, the, the expectation of the employee, uh, is, is really, really changed, uh, on, on what they're willing to do and, and be involved. And a lot of them have, have goals that they've set. Uh, and if they don't set, meet those goals then they move on to other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, that's the challenge. The other thing I think as an employer and which Disney does fairly well uh, and has been doing uh, through the years is you treat your employees uh, uh, with, with, with respect. Now, Mm -hmm. now this pandemic has really uh, put a dent in that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You you, you can't do the get togethers, uh, uh, you know, and, and uh, promote that, that family involvement uh, right. but education absolutely uh, and then the other side of it is is to be open uh, minded mm-hmm. and and to in turn uh, try try new things and and, and and be involved in in new things along that line um, I, I really really feel that that the employer uh, needs to uh, focus on the employees. Mm. Uh, and if they focus on that, then the employees will ensure that the clients, uh, yeah. guests, uh, customers, whatever mm. term you want to use on it, uh, uh, that runs virgin. Uh Oh, um, Richard Branson. Branson. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much part of his philosophy going mm-hmm. forward. And I, I, I think more people need to, to look down that road and in that direction. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. You mentioned Richard Branson because, uh, Joe Rody is yeah. now involved in his space company as head of customer service and experience. So, yeah. so is Michael Kohlsanger. Okay. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you remember Michael or not. But he's the one that brought Rodney over. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So so uh, Michael Kohlsinger went to work for for Virgin, and then he in turn brought uh, uh, Joe on board. So th- there's a little bit of Disney in a lot of businesses. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. I, you know uh, when when Disney first opened up, there wasn't any college of hospitality out there. Uh, and everybody that that developed uh, through the park developed through uh, uh, self awareness and training and and uh, uh, dedication to the philosophies that Walt had put forward, and uh, I, I think you see that has radiated out uh, through the entire uh, 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 entertainment mm-hmm. uh, industry. Uh, especially the outdoor 
entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Disney really sets the bar on that. I mean, it, they're you know they're well known for them. There's books written about it. You're right. They've they've kind of written the book and and set the standard that everybody else strives for in that regard. Yeah, and uh, you know, IAPA uh, contributes mm-hmm. quite a bit along that line too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, amazing. And and um, again, thank you so much. It just incredible hearing uh kind of your life with yeah. with disney and your stories and you know kind of like you said the right place right time but I, I think like you said willingness just to kind of do whatever was there and and uh just seemed like you enjoyed it along the way too so it, yeah. it, it was really a pleasure to, to talk to you today so i, I appreciate it I, I know you mentioned your book and your website is that kind of the, the main places uh people can kind of reach out to you to learn more is, is on your website um, well, my, my daughter-in-law maintains the site okay. and, and mm-hmm. unfortunately they're relocating, uh, to Columbus. So she's, she's not as available as I would okay. like that, uh, to have her out there. Uh, but in turn, uh, you have the opportunity, uh, and she forwards to me if there's any requests, but yeah, that's where your request came yes. from. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, and people can check out your website for autographed copies of, of the book, like you said, uh, or on Amazon. And again, the book is from Disneyland's Tom Sawyer to Disney legend. Tom, I, again, thank you uh, so much. This is, this has been absolutely incredible. We really yeah, appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking your time. Oh, super. All right. So that wraps up our interview with Disney legend, Tom Nabby. Uh, again, want to thank Tom. If you didn't hear part one, Go check out last week's episode. Uh, It was really great hearing Tom's stories. If you are interested in purchasing his book, we will put links to uh, his website and Amazon in the description below if you want to check out his book. But we really appreciate uh, Tom spending the time with us. Thank you, Tom. I want to thank everybody again for listening this week. If you have not already done so, leave us a rating or a review. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us. Thanks for listening to your ears. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.